Suncast is brought to you by SunGrow, providing clean power for all. Suncast is also brought to you by Trina Solar and PV Case. Hey there, Solar Warriors. I'm Nico Johnson, and this is Suncast. Each week, I pull back the veil on the life and business insights of clean tech entrepreneurs building the most noble and impactful companies of our time. I hope what you learn from this conversation is a catalyst for your own growth. So thanks for tuning in and welcome to our tribe. Hey, welcome back, Solar Warriors, to another Tactical Tuesday. Practical insights to give you advice, insight, and fuel to grow in this clean energy transition. Each and every Tuesday, I'm joined by someone I consider to be a subject matter expert, and we go deep on something that we think is going to help you be more uh, educated, smarter, grow faster, and go faster as you build your career and your business. And today, I am going to do an RE plus roundup, so to speak. I'm joined by fellow uh, Resource Labs, soon to be Resource Labs member, Nate Giovanelli. If you are unfamiliar with Nate, he is a past guest on Suncast. He also was a co-host for our Power Up Live stage, now two years in a row being the host for the Industry Trends segment that airs every day at noon, live from our Power Up Live stage. You will hear some of those segments in the weeks to come as we air the sessions for Industry Pulse alongside some of the other stuff that we recorded at Power Up Live. If you did not get a chance to watch any of those and you'd like to in your free time, please go to suncast.live. And if you like this kind of content, well, you should subscribe to the podcast because that's how you're going to have access to the more than 630 episodes with clean energy leaders just like Nate who are on the front lines leading the clean energy transition. For now, let's get ready to tune up your skills, Solar Warrior, with another practical, tactical, deep dive session on our Tactical Tuesday here on Suncast. Nate, what's up, man? Good to see you again. It's awesome to be here. I'm excited. Yeah, man. Hey, hi. what do you think of my hat? I love the hat. That's where it's going to start. <laughs> one of a one of a kind. Yes, uh, one is. of a few, I guess. There's only it's a, a hand hand stitched. You know, I want to I want to give credit where credit is due. Like this dude hand stitched, <laughs> hand stitched a trucker hat on the flight on the I flight did. to RE Plus, right? Yeah, yeah. There's a photo. I'm of honored. That person next. To I'm me. honored. That was funny. I'm honored, man. Do you have the photo? You should pull I, it up. I, I can get it. Yeah, I don't have it with. Pull me. it up while we're talking. I want. <laughs> I want to. You can screen share it so folks can see that it's legit. You did hand stitch. So, the reason that I wanted to do a, a recap with you um, is a. I just love hanging out with you. You've always got great insights. B. Um, within a relatively short order, I hope that we will incorporate. And I guess this is sort of a pseudo announcement, incorporating limitless your podcast into the resource labs network. And if that never happens, it will not be uh, because I didn't try because for whatever reason, it just didn't make sense for us, but we're going to proclaim it today that limitless is going to be a part of the resource labs network because I just love your work, man. And I admire the diligence and the craft that you have taken. I remember being in Boston and telling you, you need to take this off of LinkedIn and actually publish it on Spotify. And you did it. And there's so few people that go from idea to execution. I was hanging out with Damien Beauchamp yesterday and his episode will publish in a month or so, but he's at from eight rivers or up in the eight rivers, uh, uh swag today. And, um, thank you, Will, for that. Will Bernholtz. And, um, and he said, you know, idea without execution is the sound of one hand clapping. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> thank you. I'll be using that a lot. Uh, I'll be, I've already said it in one meeting this morning, which is, uh, which is telling. I mean, that's how powerful good leadership, good ideas can be, especially when you can distill the, the importance of how we get things done into quotables like that. Right. So we're going to do a rundown. Nate and I have only briefly gone through kind of our ideas for this, and we're going to try to do it in 27 minutes or less. And the goal here, Nate, is to give folks a sense of what we learned, what we came away with from the show. I wanted to give you a chance to start because, as I mentioned, I've got like a whole three pages of notes on my remarkable tablet, and I don't want to dominate any more than I already have the conversation. So I'll hand it off to you. What do you think we should get started with first? I mean, I think we should start with the labor because a, a few things. Mm. One, it was the undertone of the industry pulse last year, for sure, in yeah. Anaheim. And mm -hmm. not just, hey, there's going to be a labor shortage or maybe there already is a labor shortage as much as 
how are we going to get more efficient? I think is mm-hmm. the positive spin on that. And, and you see a lot of softwares and other things out there that help installers, whether utility scale or residential, get glass on roof faster. And I think we're going to need to continue to streamline operations because I know you just did a podcast on this and there were a lot of different opinions. I encourage everyone to go listen to it. I think you're walking the the show floor in Philly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have a lot of thoughts on it as well. And I, I mean, I, I think last year, you know, utility scale was down generally because of supply constraint, all the hangovers from COVID, right? Um, and now it's kind of reverse where it feels like residential or it doesn't feel like it. Residential is a little bit down this year, but utility scales up. It looks like CNI is getting a lift, the commercial industrial, but I'm still hearing the underlying theme. Maybe it's not as pronounced because we're not quite there yet. But I'm still hearing that labor is an issue. And mm-hmm. when you think about um, I, I, a few people on the on the podcast you had had said things like, yeah, we got to go to outside industries. I totally agree with that. But we're also dealing with an unemployment rate that is sub 4%. It's extremely low. I mean, there's always going to be some percentage of people who aren't in the workforce. So I just don't know where these people are going to come from. I think uh, when I look at the the IREC and the mm. other labor stats, I see that electricians and solar get paid more than electricians in other industries, right? And then you see the article, and I post all of this on my LinkedIn, so anyone that, that wants to follow me can check it out. But according yeah. to the American Clean Power Association, solar is representing 59% of the clean power capacity and development. And it's, it's gaining yeah. 4%, I think in 22 over 21, we'll see what the 23 numbers are, but to reach the federal goal of hundred percent carbon pollution, free electricity by 2035, the workforce is going to have to more than double. I mean, right now there's 200, roughly 255,000 people in solar was the last census. And to get another, I mean, look how busy RE plus was, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. just wild 44,000. I don't know the official number, but imagine doubling that in the next five years. I think that's where we need to expect as an industry to be able to hit these goals. And I'm just not sure where the workers are going to come from because last census, 89% of firms surveyed. And I talked about this last year in Anaheim on the industry pulse, but 89% of firms said they had difficulty finding qualified applicants. And I know, again, I listened to the podcast that you did and a lot of people challenge that qualified. I agree with that. I think you have to yeah. retain talent as well. That's the other missing piece. And uh, one of my guests uh, last year spoke really well on that. If someone wants to go back and listen. Um, but I'm just curious now that you uh, you know, talk to people about this specific issue. Like, what are you seeing coming out of RE plus? Do you, do you see this as an issue? Am I, I again, I don't think the sky is falling. I want to be clear. I just think yeah. that it's something that we need to keep our eye on as we continue toward this incredible growth that, that solar has been on. Yeah. I appreciate that you bring some stats to bear uh, something I haven't really looked deeply into, but but the solar workforce report by IREC just came out before, right before uh, RE plus. And I, I had it bookmarked. I need to go read it. Matthew Harris, thank you for sharing that with me. And it points to um, the salient areas of need in the industry. I maintain, and I don't mean this as an offense to, to everyone. Um, and so don't take it the wrong way. I'm not pointing fingers at one specific person, but as an industry. We have unnecessarily created our own inflation by, I don't think it's laziness. It really is in the best interest of the company, not the industry, that someone will say, you know what? This person I've identified has been doing this job for five years for SMA, and I'm going to go hire them over to Solark. I'm just using examples. I don't know that that's the case. Sure. And I'm going to do that so that I don't have to go learn that stuff myself. I can borrow from SMA's investment in that person. I'm going to have to pay them more to do the exact same job, which is the problem, right? They're doing the exact same job. And uh, Rob over at uh, Heliolytics before, uh, before they re- um, rolled out of Novasource into, uh, into Zyview, congratulations, Mark Culpepper on that uh, acquisition. Rob said to me, Rob Andrews, he said, the problem is most acutely felt in the labor force around operations and maintenance or install, Mm -hmm. because 
you'll take someone that's a tech one, which is very loosely described, and maybe they work at, at NovaSource and Pierce, a competitor, hires them away to do tech one job at Pierce, and they have to pay them 20% more or they won't leave, right? So we're still hiring away from our peers in the industry. But sure, we're at an all-time low or close to all-time low um, uh, unemployment rate, but not an all-time low interest rate in the industry. It's an all-time high interest rate in the industry. So people are busy at their current job, daydreaming about some opportunity to work in a business or a company that they could feel good about, that they could leave a legacy. So as an industry, long way, long round way of saying, as an industry, we've been lazy in our approach to recruiting outside of the industry for one simple reason. It takes effort internally to build the kind of workforce development internally absent the industry having one um, at scale that will ensure that that person can do the work two, three, four months from now that we need to hire for. And we always wait kind of just in time hiring until we absolutely critical path need this person before we hire them. And that's a problem. You don't see that in CPG. You don't see that in pharmaceuticals. Like we hire in those sectors ahead of ramping up the delivery of a new pharmaceutical drug to the marketplace ahead of the new product launch of a new beverage uh, from Pepsi-Cola, right? So why in our industry are we so immature in our hiring practices that I had, uh, you know, just yesterday, again, Damien Beauchamp, like they've created $2 billion worth of value in the industry. They created NetPower, which has gone public. And until 16 months ago, they didn't have an HR department. Why? Because we as an industry are moving so fast that we don't perceive the need to build internal competencies around hiring. We know we can poach. We know people will reach out to us. We know that great recruiters um, like Energia Works, thank you for sponsoring Suncast, are going to be there helping companies find and candidly poach good talent from inside the industry. Our workforce problem internally is that we as an industry need to be able to think more than three months down the road, like Matt Hinckley said um, from, uh, new, uh, from New Energy Equity, it's possible to train anybody to do a job in the solar industry, especially at the mid to lower levels, like mid-management to lower, in six months or less. Usually it's two months or less. So this whole requirement of like you need three to five years is BS. And uh, for most jobs, like don't get me wrong, you're hiring a, a vice president of engineering, guess what? They need experience. <laughs> they may not necessarily need solar experience. You could probably just as easily hire a vice president of construction from an oil and gas company, a big EPC in oil and gas, who can within a month kind of grok what's happening in solar construction because it's not rocket science, right? And so we make things appear to be harder than they are because we wait till the last minute to hire for the roles that we need. I love that you just used that analogy. I, I, I think that was very insightful, um, but I love to use that analogy because I've been trying to uh, hire my brother over as a COO in one of my businesses. And he's worked at Exxon for roughly 25 years. And I was like, this would, yeah, he manages their small refinery projects, which is like anything uh, under, you know, $5 billion. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now it's something, you know, what's true about your brother too, in that role, <laughs> he has more safety training oh, yeah. than the top 1% of us engineering procurement construction safety managers or construction managers in all of our solar industry. Your brother having zero solar experience is a better project manager because the level of OSHA required safety and construction for the oil and gas industry under the thumb of, of so many problems that have gone poorly is, is, is this high. He's had way more training than the solar industry has ever contemplated giving their construction managers. Like right. he's well overqualified for 99% of the jobs in the industry right now. Totally. I totally agree. I mean, it's so easy compared to doing, you know, <laughs> all the distillation and all the other things that they have to do is or building you know, an oil rig in the right, ocean. Right. I mean, any of those kinds of things. So I, I agree. I, it's time that we start going out. I also think, and I, I, I actually didn't make a note of this, but, and I think I posted it on LinkedIn um, there's been an all time high in interest, like you said, especially in people that are younger folks who are just graduating college. And remember, yeah. you know, they didn't have classes for this stuff when, when I went yep. to college. So it's like, we're, we're entering that new era where it's a mm -hmm. thing now, like people are interested in it. And, and if it's not just 
for climate change or whatever buzzword you want to use, people see, especially the younger folks, I mean, they see solar and renewables carrying, I mean, again, you can't ignore it when I think each of the last four years, solar was 45% of all uh, electric capacity added in the United States on the grid, 45%. And I think, I think it was last March or two Marches ago. It was like the, the first uh, month where a hundred percent of new capacity was from wind and solar. So Mm -hmm. it's not something that can be ignored. And we have this interest and I agree, we need to start creating programs where we can start, you know, bringing these people into the tent. And that was, Again, that was a big theme last year and seeing yeah. 44,000 people uh, in the Venetian was was wild. I don't know how Anaheim's going to handle wild it. Uh, honestly, I wish I had a whole nother day just to walk the floor. Like we talked about that at the, at the very end of the show on the wrap up. But uh, I don't know mm-hmm. if I could have survived another day either. <laughs> um, another day in Vegas would have been tough. But uh, yeah, I, I was just super curious what your take is now that we've talked about it. You did a podcast on it and, and it has sort of been a theme, but there, obviously there are a lot of other themes I think that we should touch on. Um, and I, yeah. I believe that one you wanted to talk about was uh, batteries and more than that, but actually getting to, I would pitch it this way. What, what I think you want to say and like, and you set it up, we didn't have a long conversation about this. No, we didn't. But uh, I've always said people, especially in the residential solar world, People don't buy solar. They're sold solar. We're still not at the point. We haven't crossed the chasm, so to speak. We're not at the point where people are going and doing their own research on who their contractor is. They get a knock on the door. They click a link on Facebook, whatever, and then they're sold solar. But as we see more and more whole home electrification, smart this and that, I mean, every light in my house now, I think is automated, you know, and, and whole home battery backup with things that talk to each other. Now you're starting to control the entire home. And I think we're getting rapidly approaching that point where people are comfortable with solar, their neighbors have solar and they're yep. going to start buying solar, which I, I believe is going to be really good for the industry. And I, I think that was one of the, the things that you had touched on earlier that we should probably talk a little bit about. Yeah, totally. I am, uh, I'm pulling up while you're chatting here, the work on climate report. So you can go to irecusa.org slash program slash solar jobs census. And this is an excellent resource. They're carrying on the work of the solar foundation, which IREC acquired and the national solar job census for 2022. Uh, a few of the stats that we see here, 264,000 people working in 50 States represents an increase of point. 8,000 jobs, three and a half percent growth since 2021. And this is the 13th annual job census. So you can read all of this data and they've got things on key findings. And I just would encourage people to go look at the numbers, but consider how this can be, um, how your, how your company compares right on, uh, diversity, demographics, the, the workforce development process that you have internally. Are you actually doing internal training to ensure that you aren't relying on your competitors to train your skill sets and your talent. And they also have job market trends, which is great. It's a irec.usa, irecusa.org, our dash work slash job dash market dash trends. We'll put all this in the show notes. You can just click through to it. But if you're on a run and you have a incredible memory, then you're, yeah. you're going to be fine. Um, otherwise, It'll be in the show notes. It'll be in the description. You can all click through to, through to it. But the Clean Energy Career Map, which I think is a fantastic tool. If this is all about careers, I'd spend more time digging into this. Um, Puerto Rico Solar Finance Report. IREC is a wealth of an abundance of information. Yeah, I haven't read the new report yet. But uh, now that you showed that to me, I, I got to go through it. Definitely. Yeah. And this is what Matt, Matthew Harris shared with me. Workonclimate.org. You can find their landing a climate job, key obstacles, and how to address them. And I really... You know, this is for those of you who are looking for a job, get a climate job and it'll be easy. They say that's how the article starts. And it's a bit tongue in cheek because we all know it's not easy. I've spent hours and hours counseling folks who are trying to get a job in our industry, but work on climate does an incredible job. Um, Joshua Stair wrote this report back in April. I'd encourage folks to go, go look at it. And this is their insight report on just how hard it is to get a job. And I also want to give a shout out to my friend, Michael Wood and Hope Pratt here in Duke, North Carolina, uh, Duke uh, in Durham, North Carolina, created this 
company called Energy Terminal. I want to point it out because this is a student-led initiative where they have this Emerging Leaders program. If you're in college, you should look at the Emerging Leaders. I mean, look at the companies that are speaking for them, right? These are college students who are just saying, you know what? There just isn't that much support for college students that want to get in the energy sector. And they've created the Community Hub. And the the thing I, that's interesting for me, uh, Michael's going to work for McKinsey, so get on him. The thing that's interesting for me here is not that Energy Hub exists. It's that when they created their fellowship in the spring, it was oversubscribed. Within a week or two, they had over 100 students all across the United States. And I think 15 students internationally apply for like 15 fellowship positions that they were offering to be in uh, virtual Zooms with these companies they had recruited to talk about what it's like to work in energy. And this year, my guess is they're going to get probably 10x that in terms of applications for their um, for their workforce um, training. And really, that's what it is. And to uh, to put a pin in it, workforce development is what's lacking in our industry. It's not people that want to work in the industry. And I have heard time and time recruiters say that they can't focus on the bottom of the pyramid because they get there's more emphasis and they get paid better to focus on executives, right? So if the recruiters aren't focused on it, then who is? And then those kids have to default to indeed.com or those mid-career professionals that want to transition. They don't know, they have nowhere to go. They get referred to you and I, cause we're independent yeah. and we're, and we have more time on our hands. If you're watching, I'm doing air quotes. <laughs> so I get, I get dozens of people all the time. We were like, Hey, can you just chat with my friend? They want to get into the industry. Great. So we had, like we created a coaching program for that because I just don't have the abundance of time I used to have. All right. We could do an entire episode. In fact, it seems like we probably have 20 <laughs> minutes or so on this. I'd like to jump to the um, the crossing the chasm point because it actually brings up something that you and I talked about that I think is a key takeaway for me. And we talked about it in the um, the 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 Future of Solar series that I did last year ahead of RE Plus with Omnidian that um, specifically Brad Davis brought to my attention the concept of how the solar industry is doing in crossing the chasm, not the concept of crossing the chasm. But for those who are unfamiliar, but I'm going to pull up a visual because it's helpful to see a visual here. The chasm is the difference between early adopters and early majority. So if you're watching this online, you can see the early market, which represents basically what most of us have been involved in for the last 15 years, were technology enthusiasts and visionaries. The chasm is between those who are early adopters and the pragmatists and conservatives who wait for everyone else to prove that everything is ready, right? So pragmatists, which is where we are now, only by technology that's proven benefit to using it, a proven benefit to using it, okay? I propose, as Brad Davis did last year, that we are firmly in that early majority phase right here, step three, across on the other side of the chasm. And I think that the evidence of that is companies like SMA and AP Systems focusing on prosumers. They're not taking the, the sun power or the, or the solar edge or the in-phase approach, which was really important in early adopters and innovators, they like to tinker, but they also want to know that it works. So they, st they stick with a, a closed ecosystem, right? Apple, why did you buy Apple earbuds? And I, I'm an Android user with Apple ear earphones because I don't mind the friction. Most people as early adopters are looking for something that is um, that they can tinker with, but that they know is going to work. They're pros prosumers that want a closed ecosystem. They don't mind that Tesla only works with Tesla, that Apple only works with Apple. The early majority wants to know that the whole technology works. But I think I propose that we are in the stage of early majority where prosumers take the lead and they're going, okay, this works. I'm going to put it on my house. I'm going to advocate for it. I'm buying a Ford F-150 Lightning. I see all this technology coming out, but I don't want to be pigeonholed into only being able to buy an in-phase system, right? So you see SMA, a legacy inverter manufacturer that's been around forever. The first inverter I ever installed in 2006 was an SMA, a Sunny Boy 3000. You see them saying, you know what? We don't have to reinvent the the access to the power panel. We're going to partner with SPAN and AP Systems saying we have dominated as the uh, not number one, number two, but the number three, the RC Cola of residential power electronics. And now we're like they're like number two, I think, in commercial power electronics because they put they did a focus on CNI. And instead of like their like their peers, Tygo or SolarEdge, introducing their own storage technology that. Installers, frankly, in the CNI space are going to kind of push back on. They said, you know what? 
we're just going to introduce a power control system that works with our inverter and that lets you choose. And we're going to make that robust enough that it can work for prosumers in the residential space and installers in the commercial space. And you walk around the SMA booth or AP systems booth and you see partnerships as the key to their entire booth setup. It wasn't like, Hey, we're so awesome. And we've created all these wonderful products. It is like, look, our products make the home smarter. Our products make the installer's job easier because we partner with class leading companies like Span, like HomeGrid. We make it easy for you to not get stuck trying to only incorporate all of our technology and have your homeowner or your business owner worry that if one piece fails, the whole system falls. Yeah. I mean, you said something in the very beginning too. I forget the exact wording, but basically there has to be some kind of benefit, you know, once you get into the early majority. And I, I think that can't be discounted either. Although I totally agree. I think as we move towards smart home and more things in the home that works with each other, you're going to get, get more and more adoption, just like, you know, Nest was kind of early in the home with that. Now they have all these other products that work together, but also what's driving this in my, in my mind, especially at the consumer level is that in 2022 consumers paid some, something like 14.3% more for electricity than they did in 2021. So now there's the, the the other piece of the equation, right? You have these things that work together, but you're also getting the benefit of, of cheaper, cleaner power. Have you been curious about utility scale storage? SunGrow's revolutionary liquid cooled solution is revolutionizing the storage landscape. It's built in DC to DC coupling combined with other features like higher Energy density and 3% slower battery degradation make it a robust solution that companies nationwide are choosing. You can learn more about this innovative solution by SunGrow by visiting mysuncast.com forward slash SunGrow. Hey, pardon the interruption, but I wanted to just let you know how much of an impact you have on SunCast. Yeah, you. Thank you for clicking play. Without you, this show is just me shouting into the void. But there's still people who don't even know about Suncast. I know, I can hardly believe it myself. (laughs) But that's where you can help me yet again. There's a simple way that you can show some love and help others discover the show. If you cruise over to www.ratethispodcast.com forward slash Suncast, I'd love it if you would leave a five-star rating and enthusiastic review. That's possibly the single kindest thing that you could do for me today. So if the show has helped, inspired, or even entertained you at all, I'd love it if you would head over to ratethispodcast.com forward slash suncast and give me a virtual two thumbs up. All right, back to today's episode. Where else did we see innovation or some you know things that were exciting. I came up with a handful of, if we want to think of them as superlatives, we can. I have one in particular that I'm quite fond of because I appreciate this, the, 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 the staying power. Where would you say that there were um, surprises or um, superlatives worthy of giving away on the show floor, specific to RE Plus and how, what it speaks to our industry? Like you said, I think what I saw is... Um more and more booths that look like a house, you know, and mm-hmm. then all the different ways that they can help control either power energy within the home. That seemed to be, I remember and we talked about this a little bit earlier um, before we started recording, but I, I feel like it was that last one, not this show, but the last one in Vegas. And I can't remember if it's still SPI then, or if it just moved to RE plus, that's when I remember yeah. like batteries just everywhere. And it's like, wait a second. Oh yeah. Batteries are part of this, you know? And mm-hmm. now you're starting to see that evolve into the next iteration, which is like the, the smart panels, whether it's a span or, or one of the other ones that are out there and how they can interact with your battery to do, or you said like the, the F-150, like how can you do EV to home and what other components are in there and how much control do you have where it's now not just flipping breakers, but you can just go on your app and like, yeah, I, I don't need my refrigerator anymore or I do need it or, you know, I need my sump pump to kick on. And you can see real time what that does to your battery storage. And mm-hmm. I just think it, 
I love my, my wife always says our house is like the Jetsons because I love this stuff. So like everything's yeah. kind of automated when it works. It's great, obviously. <laughs> but then when you're like, you know, that's because you're an early adopter, my friend, you're an early adopter. I guess so. But I, I, uh, I would say that was one of the things that I really noticed. Um, it, it seems like, again, lots of, of different battery products out there. Um, you can really tell that that space is thriving. I think a lot of that comes from the IRA and then also the post net metering environment that we're in. And in California, I also think we're seeing that in Texas where there's no real net metering with the utility. It's with the supplier and you're starting to see the, the cost of power get more expensive in the evening, like in California already in Texas, which means you're going to need batteries there uh, Mm -hmm. as a, as a business or a homeowner. So I think you're going to continue to see that trend from our, and it's, I guess that's why it's RE plus now instead of SPI, where you see more and more of those things that complement the home. Yep. Well, playing off your verbiage uh, or word choice, I'm going to give a compliment to, uh, and, and I'll do a little hat swap here. <laughs> I didn't, I'm not going to do the spin around hat swap that I did in the swag roundup, but uh, I, um, I want to give the survivor award. And uh, actually, I was getting hot in here, so I took off a bunch of swag that I was wearing. I was wearing in prep for the for the episode. <laughs> I'm gonna put this one back on just because of the way that presenting it works. Okay, so I want to give the Survivor Award to Pegasus and Solega. You guys impressed the hell out of me. I'll tell you why. Not only do we all agree, I love PV and I love hats and I love swag, but in a world where Esdek you know, as we covered in our morning show, rebranded to install and has acquired all of your competitors. And I asked uh, Ellie Rothschild in my interview with him in the podcast, how do you stay relevant in a world where Esdek is eating the world? They've found a way to not only find their uh, their thousand true fans, um, but they have um, they have continued to drive innovation, continue to drive down costs, continue to be a worthwhile and worthy competitor to Esdek or now install. And so I just wanted to say thank you for the hat and this awesome shirt. Kai, I did find it in my luggage after all uh, from, and it's not just for swag that I love these companies. They actually have a unique, innovative product Uh, in the case of Solega, a lightweight commercial rooftop product that addresses a lot of concerns that installers on CNI rooftops have, which is how do you actually do this at scale with uh, with your traditional aluminum ballasted racking. It's hard. And so product like Solega strips out half the weight and most of these tilt-up buildings have less than three pounds per square foot um, uh, weight load or point load on the roof. Distributed loading is important. And and that, that's why they, you, you, you drive around, like a lot of people say, oh, I fly over all these airports and I don't see solar on these buildings. Well, the reason is because they're, because you don't understand construction. Tilt-up concrete buildings have less than three pounds per square foot. Every Walmart built since 2009 has a less than three pound per square foot distributed point load on the roof. And there is practically zero products that can accommodate that at more than a five degree tilt. And that's why you see all of the solar city stuff that was installed is at five degrees and they're having problems with it. Anyway, I could go on and on. So kudos to Slega for success. And when solar city bought up Zep, um, which was founded, uh, you know, by another, uh, a company, a, a, a company, uh, executive that will be mentioned in, in a little bit, Daniel Flanagan, uh, or co-founded, um, when solar city bought up Zep, there was nobody to backfill the railless um, module segment and Pegasus Kai stepped in having worked for 10 years at so- SoCal Edison and took the ner- had the nerve of being an innovator and entrepreneur to build this product and say this needs to exist and you can't we can't have like the largest resi installer owning the technology we need to be able to offer it back out to the marketplace and so yeah. uh, I think he had it he had built it to compete with that and it was just good timing but it's taken him 10 years to really gain um, a loyal brand following. Um, so survivor award goes to Pegasus and Solega. Congratulations. Do you have any, uh, that stand out for you like that, Nate? Uh, for that are still around. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure there are a few, I don't know if I want to, if I want to open that can of worms, but <laughs> yeah, uh, that's fine. That's I do fine. like the, the, there, the innovation. I like the simple ideas, you know, when you talk about swag, mm-hmm. um, the yep. only swag I got, and we talked about it in the roundup for for those that listen to us live at the Power Up Media stage. Um, but the the Paykeeper uh, mm-hmm. 
Air Force Ones are pretty awesome. And uh, shout out to them. I, I think it's the simplest ideas sometimes that are the best. And as interest rates sure. rise and you see more resi folks going towards cash deals or fund, finding alternative fundings, we'll say, it, it's a very elegant, simple solution where you can put your money in escrow. So the contractor knows it's there. They get paid mm-hmm. at milestones but also it protects you. So the contractor doesn't take your money. And if they go out of business, especially in this, where we're seeing right now, this is kind of a weird time in residential solar in some respects. Uh, I just think there's a lot of merit to it. So uh, I give them kudos. So I was going to do a best of show or like a biggest surprise instead, and even honorable mentions. Um, I do want to kind of run through. Uh, I'll, I'll leave sort of the judgment of who did what better than others, or uh, it's not a CES kind of roundup still. Um, but I am going to feature Ryan Mayfield, uh, in two very specific ways. So kudos to you, Ryan. Um, you guys are, are doing a great job of, uh, managing your brand in my opinion and, um, being one of those folks that does excellent content. Oh my God. I keep coming back to, you know, the need to do better content as companies. It's one of the things that our clients are are coming to us in droves for can, candidly is because they know they need to create more, more and better content and micro content um, at the middle of the funnel, not just awareness and attraction at the top of the funnel. So um, needs improvement. I'm going to give this one um, the needs improvement uh, category to general show navigation. <laughs> I feel like last year was <laughs> one of the first years where I felt like I could really pinpoint exactly where I wanted to go at Anaheim. Everybody is so stoked about going back to Anaheim, which I never thought I would hear, you know, Um, and it's because I I said this a ton of times. I even said it in our daily roundup. By the way, if you if you didn't listen to our final daily roundup with Nate and with the guys from Solar Coaster, Jason and Josh, you really should, because we went off and it was a lot of fun. I mean, it was probably the best daily roundup we've ever done. Um, And we published it on last Friday. Um, So now uh, like a week and a week and a half ago, so you can go back and find it probably three, four episodes back. The show felt like it was designed by a, a casino, uh, meaning it was going to confuse you <laughs> and disorient you in order to keep you inside, but to, and to extract your attention or money. Um, and I don't mean this as a harsh knock on RE plus candidly, like I have worked with that team. They did the best they could to manage a, uh, a sprawling venue and candidly, like Imagine growing 30% year over year in attendees. And I think it was like at least 30% in in vendors. There were over 1500 vendors. It was like 1100 vendors last year. So that is almost a 50% growth in vendors, right? And you got to figure out where to put those folks. And by the way, as a reminder, they book venues four years out. Okay. So needs improvement is show floor navigation. Friends, please help us. The aisles were so difficult to identify. It, it was rare to find the number of the booth that you were looking for. Rare to find it, honestly. And I know they were supposed to be taped to the floor. App integration and meeting planning are two of my biggest uh, elements. Like if I, I, I pose this for anybody in the industry that considers themselves like handy with an app, please go build something that can be integrated into the app company that is developing the app for all these trade shows. I want the app to show me exactly where someone's booth is and walk me to it. If, if we can get today, Google maps doing inside of casino mapping, they do this, by the way, you can map inside of the casino with Google maps. I can have it show me how to get to the friggin' hotel restaurant. I want to go to, why can I not get it to show pinpoint exactly where, and it doesn't have to be Google maps, but like we can use the same technology to get to where exactly the booth is. And Oh, by the way, if I know how to do that, can't I, optimize my meeting plan by saying, these are the 15 meetings I have. What would be the most efficient route to go to these meetings? And then like, you can at least try to schedule your meetings so that you're not running upstairs and downstairs, upstairs and downstairs and missing meetings. Cause I think the biggest complaint from people that I talked to was missed meetings, especially those of us, like my friends at solar grade that were down in the, in the first floor, um, resist calling it the basement, but in the first floor and freak, frankly, like people would try to find it. I had somebody say they tried to find the power up live stage for 45 minutes before they got to us, which is hard. Like we were literally like very, we were on the center aisle, right. very easy to find. We're very easy to find relatively. But if you are on one of the, the marginal aisles on the first floor, it's extremely difficult to find. But uh, so like people just missed, there were no shows, right? I talked to people who had folks 
um, say that there are tons of no-show meetings. The one person um, I talked to, the folks at Yada, and they said, you know what is true about the whole, like everybody complained about it being confusing, is that the people who actually showed up at the Yada booth intentionally went there. They didn't accidentally fall by, didn't distract their team with people that were asking dumb questions. If they showed up at the Yada booth, they had the intention of going there, and they said that they had the best conversations they've ever had at a trade show because they were all the way on one wall, and all the people that showed up had made a journey to get there. They had trekked to Yada so that they could get information, right? That's one. I mean, that's like a silver lining. That's I a silver lining. That's exactly what I was going to say. And I'm laughing because you're so right. I mean, it's it's kind of uh, embarrassing to admit, but I missed a Tesla meeting that I worked really hard to get. I could not find their booth. I had to end up rescheduling what? it and it all worked out. But I mean, of all people, right? Tesla, they usually don't even go to these kinds of shows. Yeah, it's the first and booth they ever had. I know. And I honorable and it, mention to Tesla. <laughs> it was busy. It was busy uh, when I was there, but I, I there was something with the markings on the floor. Mm. I just could not. It's like it yeah. didn't, it skipped or didn't go in order. And it just caused me to walk in circles. And then somebody's like, oh, they're in the other building. I was like, wait, there's another building. And then it turns out there's not. But like the Caesars conference room or whatever is right. not actually Caesar's in Forum. Caesars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But people were trying to tell me, I'm calling people like, have you seen Tesla yet? Like I had a meeting there, you know, panicking. Man. So I, I can certainly relate. It, it is challenging. It was challenging. It, like you, you think you said it really well. It's just like mm-hmm. a typical casino kind of thing. Now I have concerns. It's going to fit in Anaheim, honestly, maybe prove me wrong, but I know when there was 20,000 people, how hard it was to find a restaurant reservation. So forget you make your reservations now. <laughs> now you have to good luck. We've said this like five times, by the way, including in the know before you go episode, Daniel Deuce said hack of all time is to make your reservations a year in advance. And we know that Anaheim is hard to find a place to eat, hard to find a place to sit down, do it now. But here's what's going to happen in Anaheim. It's going to flow over into um, the Hilton, it's going to flow over into the Marriott. It may even flow over into the Sheraton. Expect that you won't be able to just walk the show floor. It'll flow over into both of those hotels. I guarantee you right now, dude, it's going to happen. Yeah. I mean, still, it still doesn't take away how hard it is to find. So, uh, you know, usually I just, you got to drive out, you know, toward the beach to, to find a restaurant half the time. At least that's been my experience. So. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, one of the smart things that I've noticed a couple of companies do, especially in Anaheim, uh, for, for Solar Frontier, uh, Charles Bimitel did this a lot. Um, he did for three years in a row. I think he booked what's that one um, restaurant? It's it's like it's a steak restaurant. That's like the closest one to the venue. Yeah. He literally six months prior called him and said, hey, on this whole this whole week, I want to rent out your restaurant from nine in the morning till four in the afternoon when you open for dinner. Don't you can't open for lunch. And he just rented it out. And that's wow. not considered suitcasing. It's not on prem. And it's the closest possible office to the yeah. <laughs> to the venue. Sorry if anybody else was planning on using that, because um, now it's probably going to book out really early. <clears throat> but that's a smart idea. For sure. Yeah. Is there anything else from a show roundup perspective? I, I do want to give a little bit of credence and time to what I did every day of the show, um, which is what I think is a, a key kind of overlooked piece of the trade show. And it's how people spend money on swag. Thanks to Bodhi. I finally had to track them down to get my Bodhi hat. I've been a staunch advocate of Bodhi branding. I think they do a great job. But was there anything else that you wanted to add? No, I, th- I think we covered most of the highlights in my mind of, of mm-hmm. kind of what we're seeing. I, I think that yeah. I still felt the enthusiasm. There's a lot of people, but I, I feel like we're still at the front end of what the IRA is going to create. Um, I mean, because one thing we didn't even talk about, and this would be its own episode, but, you know, since the IRA, I think the, the stats I heard was just in manufacturing, there's been $150 billion committed with mm-hmm. 46 factories in 18,000 jobs. And that, that was yeah. my source there was PV Magazine. So there was an article recently about that. And again, anyone who wants to go back, uh, just if you follow me on LinkedIn, I, I, yep. all the stuff I'm talking about, these are things obviously I find interesting. So I, I post them. So I think you're going to see this trend, especially with the IRA, to buy American, which is going to continue growth. And and we talked about growth in labor, but not about growth in manufacturing. I, I, mm-hmm. sorry, when I, sorry, when we're talking about labor, let me be more clear. It was vague. 
we're talking about mostly installers and things of that nature, but there's also this new manufacturing component. I think that's going to come into play as well that we really didn't touch on that are relatively new jobs for the States and, you know, kudos. There's a lot of people, um, I guess SEG, I'll give Jim a shout out. You know, they're, they're building yeah. a plant in Houston, which I think is awesome. And I, I love Houston. Yep. Um, so Trina announced good for them. they're building yeah. a plant in, in Texas as well. So, I, I mean, there's, just so many good things I think that are going to come from the IRA, but I still think we're, we still feels like we're sort of in the starting block. Like I, I thought oh, we'd yeah. be a lot further by now, honestly, but we'll, we'll see as the years pass and we're still waiting on a lot of the full ruling. There's still a lot of yeah. guidance that's been out, but it's not final yet. And it should be well, final this year is the hindrance. Yeah. So we'll see next year how that translates, but I, I, other than that, I think we covered a lot of the things that that I would say that I noticed as trends. I wish I had more time to walk the show floor and see some of the cool mm-hmm. innovations out there um, that are coming to market. But it's just it's just kind of exciting to see the growth and the diversity, and, and I mean just diversity in product and um, all the different things now that are are present at RE Plus. It's it's been a real treat. It's cool. It really is. And I would encourage folks to go back and listen to the daily roundups that we did and even the morning shows because we interviewed Stein Voss from Install on the rebrand. We interviewed SMA on the on the span introduction. We interviewed uh, even uh, the, the, vice, the vice president of BizDev for Res on our final day. We interviewed Carla Loeb on sort of a year in review of the IRA. So she's been very instrumental in helping not only get the IRA um, sort of decisions um, pushed through from her position as a board member for SIA, but it was one of the sort of the chief instigators of getting a lot of the legislation passed in Virginia. Um, for their solar legislation this year. Um, we had some incredible interviews. Dude, you had some incredible interviews. Kudos and uh, shout out to Burns, Burns McDonald. Uh, apart from my Giovanelli LLC hat, this is my favorite hat that I brought from the show. Uh, thanks, Ben, from Burns McDonald, not only for sponsoring the Industry Pulse, but for bringing good swag to the show. But I think that you had some incredible interviews. I, I want to push people to, if you didn't have a chance yet, Really go back and revisit the stuff that we publish when, when we do on um, what was covered on the show floor, because it's impossible for us in the span of 45 minutes to really give credence to everything that happened at the show. We just give our takeaways. Um, speaking of takeaways, one of, of my takeaways is as I sort of launched into this, um, <laughs> this swag contest that ended up yielding something like three boxes of swag that my team uh, parsed and sifted. We ended up giving away swag, which was fun. Like we gave, gave away a lot of swag. Um, but people undervalue um, the, the real core importance of swag. And I'm going to use one specific example that I already shared with you. I think that people kind of give away a lot of money because they waste it on mm-hmm. swag. Uh, my favorite water bottle still is, uh, I think it's being washed right now because I'm going on a trip and taking it with me, but is the Meyer Burger water bottle because it's this beautiful matte black um, and it just works and it's nice. And um, I got a Lark bottle, you know, one of these that like has the the yep. the, 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 infra, uh, the blue light, the, what do you call that? It's, it's UV. The, UV, thank you. It's got yeah. UV light to clean the bottle. That's like, that's gotta be over a hundred dollar piece of swag. It is. One yeah. of the cool things that, one of the cool things that um, I was able to reveal to folks on my team that you and I both know, but I think I, f- I have this feeling that a lot of people don't know is that the real money spent on swag is on the really good swag. So Jim, I used the example of their uh, calligraphy pen, uh, which I don't have handy right this moment, but it's a beautiful writing instrument that uh, that Seg gives away or gave away last year. And I was, I was at the SunGrow booth with Jeremy on my team. We were doing uh, a visit with them. They're a customer, obviously, a sponsor of the show. And I said to Jen, uh, one of the marketing managers, I said, hey, can I get some of the VIP swag? And she brought out this really nice backpack and she gave me a Lark bottle. And Jeremy's jaw dropped. He's like, wait, there's like a whole room full of hidden swag? <laughs> and I was like, I was like, yeah, they give away like the, the I'll say, quote unquote, cheap stuff um, to just have brand presence. But there's real, really, really good swag for customers and partners. And so kudos on the folks that actually spent like I've got a very, very nice. Uh, thank you, Melissa. Very nice fluence. Um, North Face uh, fleece is wow. so nice. Yeah. North Face, fee, for, face fleece, um, which I don't have handy. I think it's hanging in my closet five feet away, but can't get to it. I did want to point out like 
I showed you this. Like yeah. I'm like you, uh, kind of like Jetsons, right? Like I, let's see if I can get this to, to zoom in and cover my eyes here. Did you know this trick? Yeah. You got to cover your eyes on these fancy oh, yeah. cameras. So V Toman, I never heard of V Toman. Have you? No. I'm so not. here's, here's the thing as a marketer. I, so I saw this swag. Oh, come on. Pull out of here. I saw this swag in our swag box and I said to the team, like, nope, I'm taking that one. I'll tell you why. Cause I am always looking for good cables. And this is one of these cable doohickeys, right? Like a phone doohickey, but it's braided. It's thick. It's probably like 16 gauge and it's really, really, really well done. It's well packaged. And do you know what I did? First thing I did when I got home, you got even taken this thing. I did. I was like, who the heck is Vitoman? So Vitoman, just because you created good swag, I am going to, uh, I'm going to share with everyone. I'm going to share with everyone what I learned. So Vitoman turns out is a competitor to Blue Eddy, I would, would imagine. Um, so you can see like, they've got this little power station, solar generator. They've got these things right here. Like what is the one that, um, I could tell you the, the company that I am a huge fan of because they were one of the first to introduce this is, um, I use the Sherpa, the goal zero, right? Like this is my absolute favorite battery goal zero Sherpa. And these guys are clearly competing in that space with Jackery and blue Eddie and others. And I wouldn't have known about the tone except they gave good swag away. So that's, this is like, it's really important to be thoughtful about what it is and that you, and why, because that you can now use this piece of swag and connect it to one of their batteries to charge your phone. I wanted to jump to kudos to Ryan Mayfield. I said, I was going to mention Ryan in a minute. So Ryan Mayfield has the ask Mayfield, anything that uh, they produce, I think once a week, I'm not sure. Uh, and, and I don't tune into it as much because I'm not in their target audience, but I did notice that they had these finalists from their ask Mayfield, anything 2023 RE plus edition for their top five product insights. And I have to say, I fully, I like, I agree with a lot of what they, uh, feature. Um, so I'll link to this, that this, you can, you can see this, right. You can see the post that I have. Yep. And one of them was our friends over at Earthos. Which I have to say, thanks, Charles, because when I did go over and finally get a chance to see the Earthos system in person, I was just, I mean, I'm really impressed with what they've put together. This little robot they had on site, they had a little system built out so you could see how the robot works. Um, I mentioned Daniel Flanagan earlier, Charles Pimentel, like these guys are rock stars in the industry, like people that have been around for ages that have done like really, really important stuff for our industry. but. You know, one of the things that Ryan pointed out is how you know, Earthos is really opening our eyes in terms of how they reduce cost to deploy solar. And I think that that deserves honorable mention. So there you go. Earthos, honorable mention. Helio Volta, I ch shouted out in our final um, in our final day because they had this really cool T-shirt uh, that I have here. It's actually one of the only ones that I brought home. CYA, cover your assets. That's clever, right? <laughs> it's very clever. And um, beyond that, they have an award-winning man field management software that they won the, um, the solar prize last year and David and James have become friends and they had just like, they said they had a crazy good show. Um, and I was pleased to see that they were named in Mayfield's rundown, but I wanted to show you the Helia Volta site, you know, they've got uh, Helia Volta. It's fun. They, they kind of take this, um, approach from Folsom labs, like, uh, the Pauls did. So he, the Volta is the company and solar grade is the product. Right. And, and that suggests that we're going to see more products coming from them. These guys are really, uh, really smart. They came out of uh, clean energy associates and, um, really understand how, uh, how to do QAQC and, and field management. And that's why solar grade is so good because it's built for, for us by us, so to speak. Um, this one really caught my attention because Derek Chase has been running away from doing an interview with me, Derek built SST, uh, one of the premier, um, uh, O and M companies he's a solar OG and, uh, he has been really head down working on this little technology for O and M solar inspection powered by AI. Look at this cool little robot, man. Like he spent five or six years on studying drones and he realized, wait, we don't need drones. We need on the ground robots. And so he's now built this product called OnSite, and this little robot sits on site as the name would suggest and make sure you can see it like running here uh, on site on site ops.com is the website. You guys go check that out. They also shout out a couple of the companies. I've never heard of Comap Group, 
but they're microgrid controllers and Solark, of course. We've all heard of Solark. Uh, kudos to Solark for hiring um, hiring well. I've just watched how their team is growing. Uh, they hired one of my good buddies, Rafa, down in Latin America, and he is crushing it. And the Solark team is really building a world class brand and product. Um, so I think that they are also deserving of um, honorable mention, which is why I'm borrowing from Mayfield's post and giving them honorable mention. And I'm going to say, for what it's worth, that honorable mention for socks, which is one of the categories that I love, is Mayfield as well. Did I show you these on site? <laughs> no. It's got Ryan's face on the freaking sock, dude. You guys got to watch this on YouTube. <laughs> I will actually proudly wear these socks, not because I want Ryan's face, but I like, they actually feel good and I don't care. Like nobody's going to see that I've got some random dude's uh, face on my on my leg, but now I have an affinity for Ryan um, even deeper than I did before. Um, speaking of, when I go down my like list of swag wins, I kind of think about, will I actually use it? So I there's some stuff that's like in the laundry right now because I wore the shirts, but I literally had to go pull both of these out of the dishwasher. Kudos to SolarPod. I have no idea what SolarPod does, but I really love this glass. Um, I can't get it to focus on it yet. This glass. And thank you, Misty Chaffee, for the Baywa mug. It is awesome. It's heavy. It added at least a pound to my luggage coming home, but it's worth it. Um, I mean, these are like, this is good swag, dude. And you have to make a decision. Like, is it going to get broken? Well, I'm willing right. to take the risk. <laughs> Do you know what was one of, one of the coolest pieces of swag? That is just like, maybe I'm just, um, maybe I'm, uh, I, I go, I'm an outdoors person a lot. And so I bring home more koozies than my wife can ever use. But Iron Ridge and Green Tech Renewables paired up together. Have you seen this, dude? No. Nah. This is magnetic magnet, i wish i had yeah. something i could stick it to it's a magnet and it holds a can of any fluid onto any metal surface so like you can imagine your tailgate or yeah. other metal surface it'll hold a can of soda in place wherever like side of the boat whatever um i thought that was really clever um this was like this i usually don't pick up swag from the manufacturers but trina thank you for your little swag bag because this thing is a five watt solar uh, or excuse me phone charger stand and i needed one of those for my kitchen so thanks for that um sock award goes to technica i think i said this before technica socks are beautiful but do you know what i learned there's a couple of things so one this says technica on the toe just to be clear this is going to enunciate the point. It says Technica on the toe, like nobody's ever going to see that, but me, the wearer. Can someone tell me, do you know this, Nate? Who the heck is this company? I don't know. Yeah. This goes to the, I'm giving this company the try again award because <laughs> you spent what is easily $20 per piece of swag, like maybe on the low side, 15. Because like at least ESS has ESS written on it and Technica has Technica written on it. Who the heck is this company? This goes in the category of like, why did you even try? You could probably take a picture and put it on uh, the Google image search and I bet. it'll come up. But who's going to do that? <laughs> I, I didn't know there so, was that many socks. <laughs> so. so check this out. So um, the reason that I'm doing this is because I think that as marketers, some people are marketers and they're watching this and they're wondering like, how did they do all these socks? Glad you asked. ESS used customsocks.io um, and <laughs> Three other companies used Sock Club. Uh, Technica, the this oh no-name brand of, like, I don't know who. Tell me, hey, reach out to me. If this is your logo, take the criticism seriously um, because you went through Sock Club Custom. Now, here's one example that went above and beyond. Kudos to Ruben Ugarte at Active Prospect because despite the fact that they used Sock Club, watch this, booyah, on the front of the label, that's a step above. That's an actual yeah. additional skew that they have to tick the box and say, I'm willing to pay more to have Sock Club brand the label. And the toe of the sock, just like Technica, says Active Prospect. So if you didn't know about Active Prospect, you should go check it out. If you didn't know about Technica Communications and our co-host for the morning show, Lisa Ann, you should definitely check them out. And if you didn't know all the fun things that happened at RE+, well... You waited, you made it to the end of this. So you're at least a little more knowledgeable than you were before. <laughs> Nate, this has been fun, man. Um, I yeah. can't believe people are still sticking around for an hour of you and I just jawing about <laughs> RE plus, but I'm grateful that they did anything, any, any final words of wisdom, uh, maybe projections for next year. 
I, no, I think it's going to be a huge year next year. I think you'll finally see kind of like what we we're talking about. We're still at the front end, I think, of the IRA. I'm sure people might disagree with that, but I think you're going to see a lot of deployment. I think you're going to see resi rebound and you're going to have one of the first years where utility CNI and resi are all up. Uh, well, one of the first years since we'll say since COVID um, I, you're seeing the supply chain ease. It seems um, I haven't heard a lot as much about that. I'm seeing pricing come back down from that kind of blip, you know, traditionally solar's really come down a lot in cost, but we had a little blip. So I, I'm excited about next year. And like, I mean, we just talked about if the, we wouldn't have a labor problem or perceived labor problem if the market wasn't growing and uh, we're going to continue to see growth, especially if electric rates continue to rise. And I have no reason to believe they're going to come down significantly. So we'll see how how it plays out. Uh, also, just want to give a plug because I found out at the the end of show wrap up uh, about RE plus Hawaii. And I'm definitely yes. going to that the first one. So anyone who wants to go get a little taste of not only uh, RE plus, but also paradise then come join us at uh, re plus hawaii i'll be there absolutely love that shout out um re plus hawaii in january buy your tickets now uh nate and i will be there i'm still trying to convince my wife he's taking his i think it's a um it's not a stretch to believe that it could happen and hopefully we'll see you there we'll be hanging out with our buddies uh jason and josh from solar coaster who are um, sort of co-hosting and helping coordinate the event with re plus kudos to the re plus team for a fantastic Record-breaking year once again. Thank you uh, to Danielle and Tim and Leslie and uh, Lori and all the folks who helped make RE Plus possible. Thanks to Sia and Sipa for being the you know the force behind it to ensure that each year we bring the industry together and make sure that we have a chance to not only network but learn from one another learn what new products coming out and, um, and get excited. I feel like there's just always a breath of fresh air and an energy that we come back with from RE plus, despite, you know, <laughs> all the sort of the serotonin depletion. <laughs> and, um, I'm, I'm in full on adrenal fatigue. I'm, ba I'm barely recovered now from that. Um, but it's a, it's a fun time. Uh, if you guys are going to be at any of the regional shows, please hit us up. I'll be at RE plus Midwest in Chicago in November. So if you're going to be there, please hit us up. If you, like Nate Giovanelli, want to send me a hat, because you know I'm a hat whore, please send it along. You never know when it might show up in one of your videos. If you think that you've got good swag and you just want to get my opinion on it, well, I am willing to give it. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, text me and I'll let you know how to get that shit in our inbox. Um, and we'll, ch we'll check for you if it is shit or worthy of conversation. Um, <laughs> we will be doing the swag roundup each and every year from now on. And um, I just think it's so important how people present their message and folks just often overlook um, the power of marketing uh, and the power of, of influence that good swag can, can do. And with that, I'll say that this has been a, uh, just a, an altogether um, powerful and um, emotional year uh, for RE plus just watching how, how everyone handled adversity and growth. I think that next year we'll bust 50,000 wide open. I don't know how Anaheim's going to hold that, but I'm looking forward <laughs> to it. If you've got advice for the RE plus team, you want me to pass it along, please forward it to my inbox, Nico at my suncast.com. Nate, how can folks get hold of you? They can find me on LinkedIn. That's the best place. So just check me out there. Nathan Giovanelli. I will also if be watching. If you're watching, it's spelled yeah, like this. <laughs> and we also <laughs> talked about all the RE regionals. I will be at RE Plus Florida as well. That's in October in Fort Lauderdale. Um, mm -hmm. So looking forward to that. I live in Florida, so not as much as Hawaii. Sorry, but yeah. uh, I, yeah. I will be there. I don't know if I'll be at the Midwest or the Texas one. Uh, the Texas one's in May. Um, yep. Hopefully I can get to that one. That one's in Houston. I have family there, but I think I have some prior commitments that might keep me out of that one. But as always, yeah. these are great places to, you know, to network and to, to meet folks and they do a really good job at, at the regional events as well. So uh, if yeah. you're, if you're going, come find me, uh, shoot me a message on LinkedIn or go to my website spelled the same way and, uh, and drop me a line. Hey, before you go, uh, what is this new hat that you're wearing? My new hat is uh, Sunrise Capital, so like, we could 
it'll pr- do a whole uh, episode on that, but uh, people- And maybe we will. So, but why don't you let people figure out how to- Yeah. yeah so uh, I started a company about six months ago and uh, in residential solar, uh, there's obviously a resurgence of lease products or TPOs. We call them as third-party ownership. And um, it's, it's a lot to do with interest rates and uh, rising utility rates as well. But what I've noticed in running a large TPO company for almost a decade is that you're- there's always this friction between the installers and the financier who owns the project. And in order to try and remove that friction, um, we started Sunrise Capital and sim- the, the concept's pretty simple. It's to give equity back to the installer for the projects they built. So they get that reoccurring revenue. Uh, and you can now do that through the transferability of the IRA. And I'd love to talk right. to you about it on, on another show where we have a lot of time. Yeah, man, we need to bring you back on. Yeah. We'll dig in deeper when you've got some, uh, some tent, some salient examples of success, uh, and mile markers that we can talk about. I'd love to do that, my friend. Well, that is another episode in the bank for Suncast. I think we're rounding, uh, I don't know, 635, 640, something like that now. Thank you for sticking around all the way through the end. Thank you if you're watching on YouTube. I, I hope that it was more enjoyable than even just listening to the podcast on your run because we were flicking through a lot of screen share and you probably watched me doing like five or seven wardrobe changes. Um, the The point of this is to bring you closer to what's happening in the industry to bring us all closer together as a community to help educate you if you are trying to find your way in this industry like my friend Fred is who spent the week with us down in RE Plus in Vegas and you know if you're listening all the way to the end here I just want to say I'm easy to find if you want to reach out and talk mysuncast.com is the homepage where you can find not only the show notes for this episode and all the links and stuff that we shared but ways to connect with me if that's just a clarity call uh, am I headed in the right direction Uh, You want to dig in and figure out if you'd be a good fit for our coaching programs or if you just want to give us feedback on how we can make Suncast better. I'm open to all the above. One of the ways you could do that is fill out our listener survey, also easily findable at mysuncast.com. And of course, each and every week, I want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart to the sponsors that help make this show happen. We've mentioned a couple of them throughout the show here, Trina and Sungrow. Thank you very much for being there. If you want to learn more about our sponsors and how you could partner with them or use their products of course we list them at mysuncast.com forward slash sponsor you can find their links and click through that's how you could figure out ways to partner with us to reach thousands of solar warriors and clean tech champions just like yourself and just like they do each and every week for now remember you are what you listen to thanks again for showing up solar warrior it's half the battle